Welcome back into the Tide Talk podcast presented by TideTalkSports.com. I'm your host, Stacey Blackwood, with Jake Thomas. And tonight we have a very special guest. Uh, most Alabama fans are not going to have any problem figuring out who this guy is when I tell a little bit about what he accomplished at the University of Alabama. Uh, you know, we had 14 career interceptions, was a national title, was on the national title team in 1992, an all-SEC player in 92, a second-team All-American player in 1992, and, of course, a first-round draft pick in the 93 draft. And uh, that's the one and only George Teague. George, how you doing? Man, I am doing great. Thank you guys for allowing me to come spend a little bit of time with you guys today. Oh, no no problem. Uh, like we said, we're, we're excited to have you on. And uh, you're, you're definitely one of the players that, that kind of started my my love for album football. I was born in 1989, so I was only three in the in the uh, the '92 season. But my dad mm-hmm. started introducing me to football at about when I was probably five or six, and that '92 championship game was the game that we watched uh, over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, yeah, you trying to call me old on slide? Or <laughs> I'm not trying to, but uh, it, it kind of shows both our ages. <laughs> Uh, that's okay. It, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago still, you know, um, just being back at Alabama or at Jeff Davis High School in Montgomery. So it's just time flies, brother. Time flies. Absolutely. I, I bet. I bet. And I, I, that, that kind of is a segue into the first question. And, uh, you know, you, you're kind of – and I'm sure these are the questions you get asked all the time when, when you talk to fans. And uh, two plays stand out, one one in your college years and, of course, in the NFL. But the – the one in college, obviously, is the is the chase down strip of uh, Lamar Thomas, and that was just such a. I, it's it's one of the most unbelievable plays I've ever witnessed, and it's uh, you know, it gets replayed all the time uh, between Alabama fans, and, and I'm sure you've been asked millions of times about it, and then also the uh, the play uh, when you were with the Cowboys when uh, you went and hit To when he was kind of taunting there at the at the in the star of the Dallas Cowboy uh field so that I just wanted to kind of get your you know what do you remember most about those moments and, and I know you know playing it's it's totally different but kind of reminiscing on those moments what what were those moments like uh you know so in the national championship game when you're talking about the the strip with Lamar Thomas that is kind of a a moment um where I don't even really know how to explain it. You you know, as athletes, you, you guys know that there's this there's this um, mindset that you have of just when something great happens. You know, when you can hear the crowd, when it's mm. almost like you're kind of <laughs> almost removed from your body, um, kind of deal because it's a little bit surreal. And that was kind of one of those moments for me that after I caught him, and although I didn't really think of it in you know a special kind of way immediately at the moment but just the reaction of the crowd and the way people were running around it just kind of elevates you you know and that's why I got out of character and said you know that's when I took off my helmet and all that kind of stuff (laughs) you know I've never ever done that before um but that's just when the emotions kind of take over so it's kind of you know it's that's a feeling that's super hard to describe you know, and when you're in that type of game, that kind of right. environment, um, you know, and it's similar in the sense with the Terrell Owens deal, but um, 
I guess in a different light because we were losing. <laughs> it was getting deep, but it was up the same type of deal. It was lo- absolutely losing your mind and getting out of character and going and chase this guy down and hitting him and, you know, just having the eruption of the crowd, you know, and then it, you, if you fast forward a little bit in that play, you kind of see I did the same thing, snatch the helmet off, you know, throw it up <laughs> in the air kind of thing. And it's those are moments that, you know, just your body, you, it's just a feeling that is super hard to describe what those emotions go like, and, you know, during those times. Yeah, that's, uh, like I said, they're, they're, they're really, you know, two of the most memorable moments in, in sports history, let alone, you know, somebody that, that's involved with, with Alabama. So it's just, uh, it, you know, I, I got, there's, there's two plays to me, especially in national championship games. And I know technically the, the strip didn't count because, uh, who, who was it that was offsides? Uh, Antonio London. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man, that's that, that's got to that's probably still eat you up, don't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's had to buy me some dinner every now and again because I bring it up all the time. But <laughs> but, but th- th- that play and then two, you know, the two of the Smitty second and twenty six because of the you know that's the national championship game. That's that's for all the marbles. Those yeah. are two very memorable moments. Uh, not only in, in for Alabama football history, but really just for college football history. So uh, it, I know those two moments really stick out for me. And uh, I just can't, you know, like you said, I'm sure it's just an, an out-of-body out of body experience that you can't really explain to somebody else. But I, I had to ask you about those two moments because they're such famous moments. Yes, and I have to say, I was there at the, for the game, too, in the second and 26 and got to see it and witness it and hear the crowd. And I'm telling you, I was ecstatic, too, and crazy just, you know, <laughs> watching it unfold. Like, really? You know, that, this guy's not going to cover this dude. And, man, God, he <laughs> oh, it was awesome. D- didn't he even press him. Didn't even <laughs> press him. <laughs> he's good. He's awesome. <laughs> Georgia, what, my question to you is um, – How's the coaching uh, styles? How's how's it coaching? You know, different now than it was back back. You know, when you was playing. Um, you know, I know we got the concussion protocols and all that going on now, but how does it differ from back in the nineties to where it is today? Even as you're coaching. Yeah, there, there, when you hit one of the points, and hit that is the the safety of the game is is different, is better. Um, you know, so the way that you have to tackle and hit and all that kind of stuff makes you have to coach the game a little bit different. Can't necessarily mm-hmm. be an old school coach all the time. Um, <laughs> but the style of kid is changed too, meaning just our world. Not you know, in a bad way it's just different. The social media world and, you know, the instant gratification world where we didn't really have to deal with a whole lot of news and Twitter and Instagram. You know, it was the weirdest thing for me and never ever dreamed it as a coach, but watching or seeing my kid run out of the tunnel with the phone <laughs> recording the run through so he could post <laughs> it, um, you know, right before the game. And that was, you know, that really woke me up kind of quick like, really? You got your phone, you know, put it in your pants and you're running through the huddle. That was a cool video too. Right. <laughs> yeah. I can say that it was a pretty cool video, but it just reminded me of how different we were. Um, and you have to try to understand that, you know, marketing is a big piece um, 
so it does make it challenging for guys who played a long time ago and you say, man, why are we, you know, so worried about what we're posting and doing, but it's actually very, very important um, as well on how, how we use social media to teach, how we use videos to teach. Um, so it's, it's, it's a pretty big different world um, outside of just running plays and, you know, tackling people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Georgia, what's your expectation for the 2020 season for Bama? If, if we do have a season, that is. I, I'm actually feeling better about it. You know, I I think that last year I was, I would say I was disappointed. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe our expectations are, you know, just getting a little bit too high and all that because it wasn't like we had a terrible season, but I am, uh, I still remember that we had a lot of young freshmen who were playing. And I know sometimes we take for granted the, what youth really is. And when you, you know, you're playing top notch teams like LSU and Clemson and all that kind of stuff, that youth can be a, a crutch. Um, and so I think because the six or seven guys that we had that were starting as freshmen are going to have a, another year in our belt, which I think automatically makes us better. Because um, we weren't good on defense at all, man. Golly, uh, that oh. was me to watch. I couldn't, I couldn't stand it, bro. <laughs> hey, I, we're both defensive guys, and mm. it, it it was tough to watch. Uh, my my, I, my favorite part of this whole Saban dynasty is has been the dominant defenses that we've had. And uh, last year, that 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 was not the case. It wasn't a terrible defense, but it wasn't up to the to the Saban or Alabama standard. So. Uh, we're really hoping that, that that can change. And like you said, it's it's hard, you know, in hindsight, uh, it, it's hard to expect, you know, a much better performance from the defense when, you know, around 45 to 50% of the players were true freshmen. Yes, yes. And that, that, then that's why I feel more optimistic because you're still going to have some guys that can come in and contribute. But that, I mean, that that, that is a big jump from uh, – Freshman year to sophomore year. I know people say, ah, it's only a year or a season. But, man, that experience that you gain, you know, just all of it, the, uh, being under the lights, uh, playing on the big stage, the TV, and, uh, you know, it just one year of experience makes a big-time difference. Um, so I think we're – that I'm feeling, that, you know, that we can get back into the playoffs. If we're allowed to play, I think we're immediately back into at least getting into the playoffs, into the dance. I'm sure there's still some question marks. What is, you know, what is uh, the offense look like now? You know, what is uh, the quarterback going to play? What is the quarterback play going to be? I get it. Uh, but I think we're overall, we're going to be a better team. We're definitely still going to be fast. So mm-hmm. physical is always going to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I know Nick Saban ain't really trying to not be in the playoff two years in a row. So <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I think he's going to have a little something extra this season. <laughs> and uh, uh, you, you know, in real quick on Saban, and I know you played for 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 an all time great coach and Gene Stallings there at Alabama, and uh, and I know Jake kind of touched on the, the coaching things, but do, do you see any? And I know you don't, you haven't played, you didn't play, you're not playing for Saban there at Alabama, but do you see? you know, some similarities between Stalins and Saban uh, in their coaching uh, style? Yeah, there there are. And I think they all have the, the same trait of, you know, the discipline piece and not um, accepting mediocrity. Um, mm-hmm. They were all kind of, uh, I'm going to use the word militant, you know, in the kind of deal. You're regimented, 
you know, you got to be on time to the minute, <laughs> you know, and everything is very precise. But a lot of coaches aren't necessarily that way, you know, maybe a little bit more loosey-goosey. Um, but these guys aren't aren't like that. Um, right. they, they also have the piece of the other side, and that's why I think so many people want to play for them that no one really talks about as much is they're still family-oriented or they really care about kids, athletes, not just – on the football field, if you watch a lot of the stories and you hear what Saban does, you know, as far as following up and keeping up and having the relationships with guys after they um, leave Alabama, it's, it's unprecedented. Um, and so um, those are things that attract guys to the school because you can sense that it's not, you know, hey, we're going to go win, but I care about you, brother. You know, you're going to get a degree. Absolutely. You know, you're, go, you're probably going to get a chance to get drafted if you, you know, do what I say. Um, we're going to win games. Um, and we're going to try to win that championship. So um, when you put that whole package together, man, that's guys like, you know, the Bear and Stallings and uh, Saban. I mean, it's they all have those kind of traits. Yeah, that, that's all great points. And, uh you know, we, we've we've ta- I think we've talked enough about the, the, the Alabama days and kind of remissed on, on the past a little bit. And uh, but we're interested in, in what you're doing now, George. And uh, of course, you're you're now the the, the athletic director at, at John Paul II there in Plano, Texas, and also the head football coach. And you know, first of all, I, I wanted to ask how how did how did that all come about uh, becoming the AD and then the football coach? Just kind of. Give everybody the background story on that real quick. Yeah, so when I retired from the Dallas Cowboys, I took a year. I volunteered coached at a high school here locally, um, actually closer to Fort Worth, and um, because I, I knew I was going to either go into some type of coaching, some type of coaching that could have been collegiate or the pros, um, or some type of broadcasting, whether it's radio or TV, um, and just – one day I was at a basketball game at a, at a high school and the AD walked up to me and offered me the job <laughs> oh, wow. and said, Hey, do you want to be there next? Our head football coach is leaving. Uh, I want you to be the next head football coach and you can be the assistant athletic director. Uh, and it just kind of blew me out of the water cause I didn't interview or wasn't posted or anything. So um, <laughs> that's, I mean, a quick story of how I actually got, started and decided to go into high school football and then from there I progressed from that school to two other schools and um, John Paul was the football program was in such a bad spot I got a cold call from a a, a guy um, at John Paul and asked would I be interested in looking at the at John Paul and becoming the head football coach um, here and I looked into it and decided to take it on uh, the football program wasn't very good. I mean, they hadn't won a game in three years wow. before we got here. Uh, but I decided to take it on. And, um, you know, I only came in as a football coach. But then one year later, the guy that hired me, the athletic director, uh, retired. <laughs> you know, wow. And then they, they um, offered me the athletic director um, position uh, to go along with football. Um, so that's how I ended up being the AD football coach at John Paul II High School. 
I, I imagine that's a pretty busy, pr- pretty busy schedule. Then I, I imagine you're a pretty busy guy. Oh my gosh, it's uh, <laughs> 22 teams. You know, wow. Um, yeah, there's a lot to try to deal with while you're trying to coach um, as well, uh, and particularly now with the pandemic and trying to plan for everything when people don't know what's going on, it does make it a um, challenging. But that's why I love the job. That's why I like being at this level because you still got to work with, you know, the youth. Um, still got to be around football. Still got to plan. I mean, it's. I enjoy it. I really do. Yeah. Um, enjoy it. Uh, and particularly, I, I enjoyed, you know, being able to try to put a staple on the football program at, at JP2. Um, so, you know, being able to get going from a 0 and 30 or 142 wow. or whatever it was to wow. 10 and 4 and playing in the state championship game was a, a pretty big feat for me and my staff. That, that's fantastic. Uh, you know, and I, High school football is is special to me, of course, playing. And, I, you know, you learn so much in, in high school football. And, you know, you always call your high school coaches coach. I, I don't care if you're 50 years old and they're 80, you're still going to call them coach. And I, I imagine it's probably the same way with, with some of your college coaches. But it's uh, high school football is a special time. So I, I imagine it's, it's probably a, an honor to be able to, to work with those young men and, and develop them into – to not only good football players, but, you know, to better, be better young men and, uh, you know, make an impact on their community. Yes, it is. And that's why I'm, I'm grateful to be at a spot like this because we, they allow me, they paid attention to my philosophy, which was first trying to build the whole kid, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. We were going to win, but I needed to make sure we could work on character. All the stuff I learned at Bama, fellas, you know, win yeah. with class. I mean, I'm using the same stuff. Hey, we're <laughs> we're going to be classy. We're going to be physical. We're going to be fast. But, you know, we're, we're going to be – we're going to walk that line between, you know, confidence and, <laughs> you know, taking over and dominating people. So um, I'm able to do that while focusing on kids being able to make the right decisions on and off the field. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful, uh, for that as well. That, that, that's, that's awesome. And I, you know, real quick, I want to, I've done some research and, uh, I, I say you got your starting quarterback has some, some division one offers is that's Grace and James. Uh, how many guys on your team right now are holding division one offers? Oh man, we have 12 guys with division one offers. Um, oh. that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Pretty yeah. good ratio for our size uh, team. You know, our varsity, our, our our varsity team, we carry about fifty guys on the varsity, so the, the okay. ratio is pretty pretty good. Um, but you know, when when you got schools, the you know, the SEC schools offering your kids, and we even got uh, UAB over in here to offer multiple. <laughs> kids That's awesome. At, at That's our, awesome. Our school as well that. You know, we have some pretty talented dudes. Uh, when you can find kids that are, you know, like college preparatory school or academics, you know, or, or, or stout, and then we can put together a good football program. Man, that, I mean, what more can yeah. I ask for, you know, as a coach? You know, it's good. Well, well, well that's awesome. And I know, I know you, you do your best to reach out to, to these college coaches to, to let them know. And I, I actually watched a lot of the – film on, on Grayson James, all that I could find on Huddle and, and YouTube and all that. And, you know, he, he is an accurate thrower of the football. Uh, I, I really like his game. I, 
to me, he is a he is a power five quarterback. Uh, and I'm not sure who all's offered him, but uh, as far as he's, he's athletic he, and he and he's an accurate thrower, so I, I really like his game. Yes, I agree uh, with you. I mean, I push him and um, we sell him to every school that we we can uh, because we got guys like that. It you know for me, and I tell this story all the time, and so any college coach will will hear it from me. But I talk about when when you have a guy like Grayson who could come in to your school, uh, basically learn the, the whole playbook in a day, throw him into a seven-on-seven <laughs> match, and kind of question, does he really know what's going on? And he's not even looking at the wristbands that you give, <laughs> you know, guys. Right. Just calling the plays and like, you know, what, are you just not going to pay attention, son? You know, kind of deal. He's like, no, coach, I got it. You know, I'm like, what? You know, um, <laughs> you know in a day. Um, and so, you know, I, I've, I've only been around in my 17 years of coaching uh, high school football. I can, you know, say I've only had two Division One quarterbacks, uh, and Grayson is is one of them. Uh, yeah. So it's kind of special when you find guys like that that can throw the ball, maneuver offense, know all the right throws. You know, it's he's very special. He's special. That's, That's awesome. Great. That's great. Yeah. And, you know, before before we let you go, George, we do want to uh, thank you again so much for, for taking the time to be with us and, you know, telling us a, a little bit about what you're doing now there at, at JP2. And, uh, you know, we look forward to, to maybe speaking with you again in the future. And we just really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule of a, being an athletic director of 22 programs and, and also being the, the head football coach of of a really successful program. So we, we really appreciate you taking the time. Yes, sir. Yeah. I, I thank you very much. And I'm going to follow in you guys' steps. So I'll, I'll give you a good, uh, just a plug for me a little bit, but I'm going to be starting the podcast here pretty soon. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's going to be called Teague's Take. So it's going to be right. interesting. We'll, we'll be dropping that out here pretty quick. So stay tuned. Stay well, that's tuned. great. That is yeah. great. Yeah, hey, y'all make sure to – I know I'm sure everybody's already following George Teague, but he, he is at Teague Football on Twitter. He's a great follow. He's obviously a really good cook too, so you don't want to miss <laughs> you don't want to miss out on all those all those photos that he puts up mm-hmm. of, of the stuff he's been barbecuing and so uh he, he's a great follow and uh, we, we do appreciate you taking the time, George, and we hope to, to talk to you again soon. Okay, we'll talk soon, man. Thank you. All right, Thanks. see you, George. Roll tide. Roll Tide. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.